you're no doubt aware, there's a lot of people talking about some changes. The electorate seems to be, um, to be up in arms, I guess you might say. And in terms of this rebellion, we, we have a guest tonight who's on the cutting edge of it. It's Dr. Bill Durston, who's running for the third congressional district seat, currently held by Republican incumbent Dan Lundgren. So I'm very pleased to be able to say, welcome back on Radio Parallax, Dr. Bill Durston. Thanks for having me, Doug. Where can people go for your, for your website? DurstonforCongress.org. Very good. And it is a very good website, quite comprehensive, and I want to compliment you for that. Well, thank you. Dan Lundgren, your opponent, has been noted to be quite the conservative Republican. I'd like to start out by noting uh, what a good friend Lundgren has been to the administration in terms of supporting George W. Bush's policies, foreign and domestic, and I think we should probably start with foreign policy. Uh, Lundgren supports supported the war in Iraq and a continuance of hostilities there, and I'd like you to contrast that with your position. I'm a Marine combat veteran of Vietnam, and to me, uh, Iraq looks a lot like Vietnam all over again. Uh, there's so many parallels. Uh, both wars started on false pretenses. Um, the Vietnam War on the false pretense of the uh, supposed attack in the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, this war on the supposed pretense that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction or in some other way had, was an immediate threat to the United States. Uh, and then the repeated uh, implication that Iraq somehow had something to do with the September 11th terrorist attacks, which of course was absolutely false. And also from the point of view of soldiers, uh, in Vietnam it was so difficult for us to tell friend from foe, and unfortunately our soldiers are being placed in almost exactly the same position in Iraq today. So I take it you, you're in favor of, uh, of a scheduled withdrawal? Yes, I've said, well I oppose the invasion in the first place. And I've said I won't vote for further funding for further offensive military operations that's not tied to a prompt, orderly, and complete withdrawal. Now, my opponent has misrepresented that statement as saying I wouldn't uh, vote to give the troops protective supplies, that type of thing. That's absolute nonsense. Um, but I'm talking about no further offensive operations. Uh, we need to work toward a, a prompt, orderly, and complete withdrawal. There seems to be a, a bit of the Karl Rove, and I think, in Mr. Lundgren's campaign. And from your website, uh, the quote I pulled off, Durston says he will not vote to spend one cent on our soldiers in Iraq unless the U.S. agrees immediately to pull out no supplies, no equipment, not one red cent. That's, that's just basically a fabrication, isn't it? It is a fabrication. And that he sent out to uh, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of voters in the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, it really took some audacity on his part to attack me for not supporting the troops. You know, I'm the person who volunteered for the Marines at the height of the Vietnam War, and I have great respect for people who didn't serve in that war, who protested that war. But on the other hand, I have no respect for someone like Dan Lundgren, who avoided military service himself, who then sends others uh, to war, and on top of that, uh, criticizes a decorated combat veteran for not supporting the troops. On top of that, uh, Lundgren, as far as veterans' issues goes, has gotten a 0% rating from American disabled veterans uh, in 2005, a grade of D on a scale of F, uh, scale of A to F from Iraq and Afghanistan veterans in 2006. You see sort of an attitude of people equating um, supporting the troops with supporting the war in Iraq, and I'm sure as a vet you have a, a view that's considerably more nuanced than that. Um, right. well, how do you respond when you see that sort of trying to link those two? Yeah, it's uh, one of these many great ironies, you know, this idea that you're with the terrorist or uh, you're with us or you're with the terrorist. Well, it just doesn't make any sense. The best way to support our troops is, in the first place, to never send them into a war 
or an occupation started on false pretenses, uh, or a situation such as General David Petraeus himself said in March of 2007, for which there is no military solution. Um, so in my opinion, the best way to support the troops is to bring them home promptly and safely and honorably. It's not the troops' fault that we got into this war in false pretenses. It's the fault of the Bush administration and career politicians like Dan Lundgren, uh, so many of whom never served in the military themselves, who then send others to fight in wars started on false pretenses. It strikes me as a very cynical political move to basically use the troops as sort of that political, you know, the tail wagging the dog in, in essence on that it issue. It is. Yep. Time-tested uh, yeah, yeah. propaganda technique. Yes, yes indeed. Um, uh, many people point out that there are people out there that don't like us, and, and Congress and the President might have to uh, conceivably order someone, you know, to engage an adversary. What, what do you think rules we need to keep in mind for any possible engagements we might find ourselves going against? Well, particularly uh, from the point of view of terrorism, there was good evidence before we invaded Iraq or Afghanistan that conventional military force is not effective in combating terrorism. When you look back at the September 11th terrorist attacks, those terrorist attacks were committed by 19 men armed only with box cutters and a fiendish plan, none of whom were from Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, they got their training not in Afghanistan, they got their training to fly those planes in Florida. And it doesn't make sense to respond to that type of act of terrorism, an act of mass murder, with the biggest military buildup since World War II and invading two countries that in fact never attacked us. Uh, there have been repeated examples in northern Spain, uh, or the Basque region of Spain, northern Ireland, Sri Lanka, repeatedly in the Middle East showing that conventional military force uh, may be followed by a brief lull in terrorist activity and then an increase in terrorist activity. And certainly that's what we've seen now. Our own CIA has said that our invasion of Iraq has been a powerful recruiting tool uh, for Al-Qaeda. Indeed. Um, I want to talk a little about uh, Guantanamo. A lot of people have talked about the, the Bush administration's view that this is not coming under the purview of the Geneva Conventions. And, and your opponent, Dan Lundgren, it, really one of the most astonishing things I can think you know, a politician is saying here locally. He said he could not say whether waterboarding uh, was torture. This is technique, basically dry land drowning, which goes back to the Spanish Inquisition. Um, and how do, how do you respond to that? I think this is so telling that in the 21st century, in the United States of America, uh, in a congressional race, we're debating the issue of torture. I mean, the issue of torture was settled centuries ago. Uh, it's, it's morally reprehensible. Um, it doesn't pro provide reliable evidence. Someone who's tortured most of the time doesn't tell the truth. They tell whatever they think their torturer wants them to hear, right. and it's unconstitutional. Our Constitution mm -hmm. clearly bans cruel and unusual punishment, and as you alluded to, the Geneva Convention uh, bans torture. Um, another statement Lundgren made in a debate we had in 2006 was some people confuse torture and aggressive means of interrogation, and the audience at the debate literally laughed at him, and that, I think that is a laughable statement. I'm opposed to torture, period. <laughs> Let's talk about some domestic issues. This current mess on Wall Street has really kind of put, cast a huge shadow over the entire campaign, national and local, et cetera, based on this housing bubble economic crisis. How would you address this if you were in Congress? You know, I oppose the $700 billion bailout for a couple of reasons. Uh, you're a physician, and you know in medicine there are a couple of rules. One is first, do no harm. You might have a very sick patient, and you want to do something right away. But the first rule is, don't do anything to make the patient worse. And I think in case of the 
in the case of the $700 billion bailout, um, to some extent it rewarded corporate greed and unsound business practices. Uh, it worsened the national debt. And in my opinion, it put the interests of Wall Street above the interest of Main Street. So I think it violated that rule. There's another rule, uh, which is if you're going to propose some major procedure operation, you're obliged to discuss the risks, benefits, and alternatives. Right. Uh, we were told that if we didn't engage in this $700 billion bailout, that we'd have this great economic collapse. And it was almost the same attitude of, you know, we must rush to do something as followed the September 11th terrorist attacks, when we did rush to do things and made some serious errors. I think we needed uh, a more serious discussion of the alternatives, including, for example, giving that money or some money to the people having trouble meeting their mortgage payments, uh, to the small businesses uh, that were having trouble uh, getting loans, and feeding the money to the, as I would say, Main Street rather than Wall Street, trickle up instead of trickle down uh, type economics. And I did note in that mess that uh, basically the House, which you'd be a member of, uh, was more conservative than the Senate, which tacked on a bunch of pork before they could get it passed, which is sort of sad. That's right. Yep. Um, of course, health care continues to be a major concern for, for Americans. You're a physician, and, and uh, so you see it from the viewpoint of the consumer and the practitioner. What would you like to see done in the area of reform for health care? Well, you know, we need to develop a system of universal health care where everybody in the country is covered, regardless of their ability to pay. That's always been my philosophy as a physician, that access to necessary medical care is a basic human right not a privilege. And that's the way the other industrialized Western democracies of the world look at it. We are the only Western industrialized democracy that doesn't have some system of universal health care. Because so many people in our country are uninsured or underinsured on a, uh, among the top 25 countries in terms of measures of overall quality of care, we rank 15th out of 25. And on top of that, we pay twice as much as the other countries that have universal health care and better health care. I think this is one symptom of the greater problem in our country, and that is we don't have government of, by, and for the people. We have government of, by, and for special interests, uh, including the for-profit health insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry. And my opponent represents the worst of that. If you look at his contributors, he gets big contributions from the for-profit health insurance companies, from the big pharmaceutical companies, and then votes against things like expanding coverage for children of low-income families, votes against negotiating lower prescription drug costs for Medicare patients. Yeah, well, I do want to note, too, that if you want to look up to Dan Lundgren's record, I, I was at a hard time finding some of the issues that he voted on on his own website. But if you go to WashingtonPost.com, you can find some of these votes on, on these issues that, uh, that kind of tell a different story. Or Project Vote Smart is another good one. And you can click on uh, different categories of issues and see what type of a rating uh, the congressman gets. We're speaking with Dr. Bill Durston, the uh, candidate for the 3rd Congressional District here in California against uh, Dan Lundgren. Proposition 4, it's going to make it mandatory for doctors to contact the parents of the parents or some other, I guess, designated adult in the case uh, of therapeutic abortion on minors. Um, can you talk a little bit about the matter of abortion in general and this, and this ballot measure in, in particular? Sure. Uh, you know, <clears throat> from the point of view of emergency physician, again, we see uh, a lot of women uh, who have to make difficult decisions uh, regarding pregnancy. Abortion obviously isn't a good form of birth control, uh, but my view is uh, a woman should have a choice. If she doesn't feel prepared to take care of a child, 
she can consult with whoever she wants to. She can consult with religious leaders or parents uh, if she wants to, but she shouldn't be forced to consult with anyone uh, other than, uh, and there shouldn't be any obstacles to her uh, seeking termination of a pregnancy. You know, the abortion, what happens in abortion has been grossly misrepresented by the abortion foes. An early pregnancy is, you can't even see it on the most sensitive ultrasound, uh, doesn't require a surgical procedure, just right. requires a pill and a suppository. Um, very safe. Uh, there's a much higher rate of complication of having the pregnancy than there is terminating uh, an early pregnancy. Uh, but again, I don't think it should be done casually. But this this bill, I think, is a dangerous one. Uh, the young women who are so desperate uh, and don't have good relations uh, with their parents, they will go to any means to, to terminate the pregnancy. And if they have another obstacle to overcome in getting competent medical help, they'll go somewhere else. Right. And we know that that's happened in the past. Um, they'll have you know the kitchen table uh, sure. type abortion, septic type abortion, <clears throat> get the complications. And I think if this bill passes, uh, young women will suffer serious injury and some women will die. Uh, you can't legislate good communications between uh, a young woman and her parents. There's also an additional aspect in this that I thought particularly odious is it basically would criminalize the, what the doctor's trying to do is trying exactly. to, to help the patient and yet uh, he could face some penalties. Exactly. And doctors have enough you know, reporting requirements uh, as it is without having uh, one more. Indeed. Um, another ballot initiative I wanted to just, just mention, uh, which you may not want to sound off on, uh, Proposition 11 is trying to change how district lines are drawn in California. This is not going to affect right. the 3rd Congressional District because it was deliberately omitted from that. Yep. But I did, I did take a look at, at the district. We talked about this in the program uh, a couple of weeks back. As you can see, it's got little hooks, it's got little, 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 you know, it looks like a bat flapping its wings. Yep. And it's like, this is sort of drawn to make safe seats for people. And I think exactly. this has created a pretty <clears throat> safe seat for Dan Lundgren. Yep. And I don't, I don't know where, where you, just want to ask where you came in on that whole issue. Yeah, I, it's very gerrymandered. I say it looks like a lobster with one claw going north, <laughs> west, one claw going uh, southwest, and okay, then it cuts I, I out, get that. cuts out Sacramento, which is highly democratic, downtown Sacramento, and cuts out Davis, which right. is highly democratic. Right. So yeah, we need to have uh, logical, rational uh, districting. Um, the mechanism in Proposition 11, I'm still not entirely sure about. Okay. Um, but I know the League of Women Voters uh, supports it, and I tend to go along with the League of Women Voters. But we definitely need to stop carving out districts just so they'll be safe for the incumbent. That, is, that really is uh, an obstacle to democracy. I thought this was worth mentioning because, you know, as a Democrat running the way this district has been constructed, you, you really are, you know, facing an uphill battle by, by a, little, a little hook drawn out here south of Davis, south of Winters, going out into Solano County, right. up into Alpine mm -hmm. County. It, uh, it really is a great advantage to your opponent. Now, on the other hand, the, when I ran in 06 on short notice, there was a 7% plus Republican advantage. Uh, now, uh, there's, it's only 3.6%, mm. uh, so it's about 41% Dem uh, Republican, 37.5% Democrat, 22% other, mainly declined to state. And uh, the way I look at this, too, is it's not Democrats versus Republicans. There are many Republicans who are very unhappy with what's been happening with the Bush administration, with which... Dan Lundgren has been essentially uh, in lockstep. So uh, even though there is a slight Republican advantage, I look at it more as a chance for all of us to get together 
and take back our democracy and turn the direction of our country around. Well, as I talked about in the intro, there seems to be, change seems to be in the wind, and I'm... We hope so. <laughs> Indeed. Before it's too late. Yes. I want to ask, where you come in at Proposition 8, an effort to define marriage as that being between a man and a woman? is a very, very emotional, controversial issue here in California. I don't see any need for something like that. It, to me, it's just preying on the politics of hatred and fear. My wife and I have been married almost 39 years, and we have many gay friends and a family member who's gay, and we can't think of any way in which uh, a gay or lesbian couple calling themselves married or having all the same rights as a married couple threatens our marriage, uh, doesn't affect the choices that our children make. Um, and I think this is, uh, it's something that comes back year after year. I think it's a way to uh, get some of the people who would otherwise stay home uh, on the conservative side right. to get out and vote. Well, mobilize the base for the whole abortion issue, much the same thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I clearly oppose Proposition 8. Fair enough. Bill, Bill you've worked with Physicians for Social Responsibility, a group, a uh, very commendable group, dedicating to lessening the dangers of uh, nuclear weaponry. Many people hope that if Barack Obama is elected tomorrow, we'll see a turn away from the sort of bellicose stance of the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what would you like to see Congress and the President do you know, in the years to come to lessen this danger that's hanging over our head? As far as the, the nuclear threat, it's still a very, very real threat. Um, and with the Bush administration uh, virtually renewing the Cold War, uh, increasing hostility between Russia and the United States, this so-called anti-ballistic missile system, it's almost entirely ineffective in shooting down incoming ballistic missiles. Right. When they do test, when they know when the incoming missile is being fired, right. sometimes it's got a radio beacon. Right, a homing device. A homing device. In case you, yeah, you get spotted, here it is, folks. Right. right, and it still only works about half the time. <laughs> On the other hand, it's been extremely effective in uh, renewing an arms race so that both the Soviet Union and, or both Russia and China, are developing missiles that go on swerving courses. Uh, more of the missiles are being put on hair trigger alert. If we, you know, some people say it's naive to think of ever ridding the world of nuclear weapons. I think it's naive to believe that if we don't, there will not someday be a nuclear explosion on U.S. territory, either as a result of a terrorist act or as a result of an uh, accidental launch of a nuclear weapon. Well, the administration seems to be advocating putting missiles in these so-called defensive missiles in places like Poland, Eastern Europe. Very, seems, I'm sure that uh, PSR would agree. It seems very provocative moves aimed Absolutely. at Russia. And if you, were really, if you can see this from the Russian perspective, Absolutely. geopolitical standpoint, this is very destabilizing. Absolutely. It's stimulating a new arms race. There was uh, a PSR conference, well, actually it's the International Physicians for Prevention of Nuclear War, hosted by PSR in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago. And my wife and I went, and this elderly gentleman, Sir Joseph Rotblatt, uh, spoke. And Sir Joseph Rotblatt had worked on the Manhattan Project until the point when it was clear that the uh, Nazi Germany was going to be defeated without developing a nuclear weapon. And then he stopped working on nuclear weapons and spent the rest of his life uh, working for disarmament. And when he was age 90, uh, he was interviewed and they asked him what his goals were. And he said he had two goals. His short-term goal was to abolish nuclear weapons. His long-term goal was to abolish war altogether. I think those are laudable goals and that human society should work toward both of those goals. So that's what the election, this race is really all about. It's about all of us at the grassroots level working together to take back 
our democracy from the special interests that currently, currently control it and restore government of by and for regular people. Well, we're just about up against it on time. We've got about a minute, but I just want to just ask you as an ER doc, your position on handguns, and I think you probably disagree with Dan Lundgren on that one, but you see the mayhem that they cause. Yeah, and if people remember only one thing from this interview, it should be a gun in the home is much, much more likely to kill or injure somebody in the home than to protect against an attacker. So if you want to keep your home safe, particularly if you've got children around, it's best not to have a gun in your home. If you do have a gun in home, make sure that the ammunition is stored separately from the gun and that both the gun and the ammunition are locked up. Very good. Well, I hope you're feeling optimistic. We wish you the best. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> All right. We've been speaking with Dr. Bill Durston, candidate for California's 3rd Congressional District, and his website, DurstonForCongress.org. And we need to take a, a short break, so why don't we go ahead and do that. Great. Stay tuned. Stands on golden sands and watches the ships that go sail.